0: Welcome to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast, episode number 10, Happy Holidays, recorded Thursday, September 21, 2006. The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. Show notes for this episode and a lot of other fun stuff can be found at www.uncontrolledairspace.com.
1: They should be booking things with a calendar and not a watch. Other than the pilot shorts, how much cleaning up is there? Right, and unless the guy's in the dry cleaning business, uh, I yeah. know.
0: And don't sell short the Canadian snowbirds. Um, Canadian snowbirds are amazing. Yes. Yeah.
2: Let's, let's do it. Okay. Those metal to the metal.
0: Well, all right. Here we are. You know what? It's a perfect ten. This is uh, uncontrolled airspace. Episode number ten. We actually—did you guys ever think we'd make it to number ten?
2: <laughs> I figured we, we'd always make it to ten. I didn't know if our listeners would.
0: Well, here we are again. Good morning, everybody. Uh, on the line with us this morning, uh, Dave Higdon, talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. Dave's an aviation photographer. He's the senior editor of Kit Planes magazine and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales magazine. How you doing, Dave? Merry, happy, ho-ho, everybody. Doing good. (laughs) That's good. And uh, also with us, oh, I can tell it's going to be one of those shows. uh, Oh, yeah. uh, and also with us, uh, Jeb Burnside, uh, talking to us from Springfield, Virginia. Jeb's a freelance aviation journalist and currently serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine and also as a contributing editor to Avweb Biz. Morning, Jeb. Good morning, folks. Good morning,
2: um, Dave and Jack. I hope everybody's uh, getting ready for the holiday.
0: Yeah. So okay, yeah. well, what yeah. are you, that no. was a rave review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know, we were chatting about this a little bit before we started recording, um, uh, I, and I think I win the prize of least prepared shopping wise. Although Dave, sounds like you're not far behind me.
2: I, I have bought exactly one thing, one gift for uh, the my vast empire here so far, and uh, I don't have a warm fuzzy on the rest of it. So,
0: and Dave, you're know. about to do sort of a, of a, you know, kind of a. A big uh, session, huh?
1: Yeah. uh, Saturday morning, I blast off on a human mailing tube to uh, my ancestral home on the Ohio River in Indiana. And uh, then I have basically the rest of Saturday and Sunday to do uh, Christmas shopping for about 20 people because after my last couple of trips on the smokers, I couldn't tolerate the idea of trying to carry any Christmas booty through the TSA stations. So, uh... lacking a ga airplane to get me over the river and over the woods and over the snow and uh... we're gonna do it all on site back there in sunny southern indiana Uh, it's it's doable Uh, it'll be interesting Uh, taxes the creativity on what to get the grandkids
0: Jeb, do you think our regular listeners have yet tumbled to the fact that Dave is not the biggest fan of the airlines?
2: I wonder about that, and I, I, I kind of think that maybe some disclaimers or uh, clarifications might be in order down the road, especially maybe on the website, something like that. Um, I, I, would, I would hasten to add, however, that uh, uh, at least from where I sit, he's among friends on these topics.
0: Okay,
1: uh, I, I know I'm not alone in the worldwide sco- scope of things. Uh, I did a, a, a short little trip to uh, to Florida last week to uh, sample a, a, a nice uh, new kit aircraft on the market and uh, got to do the human mailing tube down and back, and it was uh, just about everything that I'd loathe about uh, the uh, experience of uh, flying on smokers these days. Uh, crowded. Uh, not convenient, a hassle to get through security, uh, lousy snack food. Uh, coffee was the only saving grace on the uh, air carrier that I flew. Right. And uh, getting home on time? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, should be, they should be booking things with a calendar and not a watch. I have to yeah.
0: admit, I, I'm actually getting ready for a trip out to uh, California for a, a trade show and to visit some friends and do some business. And uh, and although I'm probably going to travel by uh, airlines, I I really truly did check the fares and schedules for both the train and the Greyhound bus. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> interesting. Know, interesting. And,
2: interesting. Uh, I uh, I had the fortune misfortune last month to uh, take a human mailing tube out to uh, Phoenix, um, and I, I actually went out on Southwest. They have a nonstop out of VWI which is uh, uh, not all that convenient for me but it's certainly convenient if, I, if I'm considering a nonstop versus a, a puddle jumper um, and um, didn't really have any any major issues the flight was not that full uh, left more or less and arrived more or less on time um, the only issues I, I really had with any of that was just um, some people act like they've never been on an airplane before, and I know they have. I, I, you can tell just by looking at them and the way they're packed that they have been on an airplane, an airliner, before. And they act as like, you know, it's a new thing every time. And I, I just don't get it sometimes. Uh, there's 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 just uh, no, no explanation.
1: Yeah. Selective memory.
2: Selective memory.
0: Anyways. Well, before we get rolling here, because there are a couple of stories for us to talk about at the very least. Uh, oh, yeah. I want to remind everybody that uh, in addition to listening to this podcast, we hope you'll also visit the Uncontrolled Airspace website at uncontrolledairspace.com. There's also it's a good stuff to be found there. You can see show notes for all of our shows with links to the web pages we talk about and other background information. You can listen to any of our previous episodes you can check out the uncontrolled airspace blog which uh, where we post GA related items and uh, we've been kind of we, we've 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 made it we've created a monster in Dave Higdon of uh, of a, a blogger he's uh, recreated he's uh, he's doing some great things there there's so a lot of uh, a growing number of interesting stories if you're interested in what stories we're watching for possible discussion here check out the blog uh, you can also sign up for our reminder email list uh, you can get instructions on how to get a free subscription to the podcast through one of the podcatcher programs like iTunes or Juice or iPod or, or others. And remember to tell all your friends that you do not need an iPod to listen to podcasts like this one. You can download the cast to any portable audio device or just listen on your laptop or desktop computer. And finally, check back to the website often for all sorts of coming soon features like we're going to add a discussion forum eventually and one of these days you might even be able to buy an uncontrolled airspace baseball cap, wouldn't that be cool, huh? So. Uh, visit the website at uncontrolledairspace dot com. One visit a week—that's all we ask. And Collect
1: the whole set. That's right. Sure. That's
0: right. And uh, and and we—I I do want to announce one new feature this uh, time. Um, drum We've, roll. we've added. <laughs> drum roll, please. We've added uh, what, for the time being, for lack of a better name, we're calling the Uncontrolled Airspace Listener Line, and that is a telephone number that you can call to uh, record a message for us. Uh, so you can uh, give us some feedback on the show you can keep tip it, it clean keep it clean you can tip us off to nah I want to, well <laughs> nah, we want to hear the real <laughs> deal. You can as tip us off as long as you're the one
2: fielding these inquiries That's right. The right ahead.
0: <laughs> you can tip us off to some uh, subjects that we should be covering on the show but we're missing or you can just tell us about some flying adventure you've had. So call the listener line, the phone number there. I um, mean you can always get this phone number by going to the Uncontrolled Airspace website, but uh, the the phone number is area code 206-495-6532. So it's 206-495-6532. When you get there, it basically functions just like your basic voicemail system, just like you're leaving somebody a voicemail. Um, and uh, we'll uh, give a listen, and we may even use your message on the show. So uh, so check out the you listener line. You could be
1: an inadvertent guest on air controlled airspace. Call now.
0: So the biggest story, I think probably, well, the, the most notable story is the breaking news this morning that uh, – that Raytheon has apparently reached a deal to sell the aircraft unit. Uh, yes, wh- wh- one of you guys want to tell us a little bit about what the latest is on that?
2: Well, the, the news this morning is that uh, a uh, partnership between uh, Onex Corporation and Goldman Sachs has produced an agreement with Raytheon uh, for the, uh, the two partners to purchase Raytheon aircraft. Um, The price tag uh, 3.3 billion dollars. This is a result of several weeks of negotiation. The uh, conventional wisdom is that the uh, sale uh, will be a good thing for um, at least the employees of uh, Raytheon aircraft. Um, It's unknown what uh, the impact will be on uh, uh, the product line the future product line for that uh, for that mark uh, and from where I sit it's it's equally unknown and equally curious, or perhaps even more curious as to what will happen um, to the fortunes of those who own uh, such an aircraft such as myself um, I have a 40 year old uh, Beechcraft and uh, um, parts look a day over five thank you thank you um, parts for that airplane are Mostly available. They are, on occasion, very expensive. Uh, whether those parts will become non-existent, will become cheaper, or will become uh, uh, worth their weight in uh, in gold or platinum, will is anybody's guess. Uh, at this point, though, it's it's uh, looks like a pretty much done deal, um, and um, we'll kind of see what the what the details have to what details I should say filter out in the next few weeks.
0: Yeah, Dave, you've talked a little bit about this in the past, so you don't need to go into incredible detail, but you do have some direct, or you guys in Wichita, that is, have some experience with Onex or uh, uh, buying up a company. What? Tell us a little yeah. bit about that. Uh,
1: the, for it some it reason or another, it's or, been how do you Onyx, it? is, Onyx. Onyx. is the way that we've uh, been pronouncing it around here for about two years. That's since the Kansas twins. So yeah, that's the Kansas thing. Just like the Arkansas River versus the Arkansas River, uh, Little Rock Arkansas doesn't fly well over in that state. No. Uh, Onex Partners uh, was the winning bidder to buy the Boeing Wichita operations here about two years ago. Uh, took the company over uh, about a year and a half ago. Took it private recently. Uh, Onyx Partners remains uh, the, the largest single shareholder in it. But uh, some some good things happened to Boeing Wichita and some painful things happened to Boeing Wichita. And I think that, that that's probably not a, a bad model for what we can expect to see uh, out of Raytheon with some variations tailored to its different market. For example, uh, Onyx negotiated new contracts with uh, several of its unions. Uh, the uh, Machinist Union members that were rehired after applying to keep their jobs, uh, well, they were about a 1,000 short of what was originally there. They didn't hire about a 1,000 people that had worked for Boeing Wichita up to the point of the acquisition. Uh, the Machinist Union members uh, uh, this year are the beneficiaries of a bonus in excess of $60,000 per person. Uh, some of that's in uh, in uh, uh, Spirit AeroSystems stock. That's the name of the new company. Uh, I believe it's uh, about thirty thousand dollars of it is in cash, uh, and uh, the local merchants are just all at twitter about that. That bonus was offered uh, in exchange for uh, some salary reductions, so wage reductions that were in the renegotiated contract, and for helping the company. Uh, expand and become more efficient and since the acquisition uh, Spirit Aerosystems has uh, diversified it no longer produces solely for Boeing uh, aircraft Uh, they still build all the things for Boeing that they built before but uh, they've also acquired work uh, on the uh, Hawker line for example over at uh, Raytheon Aircraft so uh, there's some expectations uh, among the uh, local Beach employees and Hawker employees, that uh, Onyx was the best fit of the three outfits that initially uh, were reported to be uh, pursuing the company. Uh, There's an expectation that there may be uh, some uh, renegotiation of contracts. There's also some expectation that Onyx uh, and Goldman Sachs are going to uh, to put some money into the company to help develop new products and lower the cost of producing existing products in a way that will make existing products more competitive. And given that a new Bonanza these days uh, uh, tickles the $700,000 mark, uh, you know, anything that will help the value equation on, on aircraft like the uh, Baron and the A36 can only be a good thing for the company. Uh, but Hearing that the uh, the new owners uh, already have plans to invest in new products could also be a really good thing for the company, particularly if it's down in the single engine piston. We we
2: have not heard that, to my knowledge. I think is is what your question is, uh, Jack. Um, I would like to hear that also. I would like to hear um, some somebody address that issue. Will will they will the new owners be investing in new products? in expanding uh, the existing Raytheon aircraft line uh, whether it's uh, Beechcraft mark or a Hawker mark or, or something else one other point I'd like to make here also is it came out over the weekend um, and it may have may have been announced earlier I just I just saw it earlier in the week where onyx um, as well as uh, some some portion of Goldman Sachs had had this week or last week, Made a fairly substantial investment in uh, Australian carrier Qantas. Um, if you look, I believe at, that was Onyx. Yeah. Well, I think Goldman Sachs had some piece of that also, uh, or at least you know did, did some of the background uh, work for Onyx. 12.5 uh, percent of of the carriers, what I understand to be the uh, the uh, uh, amount that they have purchased. Uh, They are clearly a new player in the the aviation industry. Um, Kind of makes you wonder how big a fortune they have that they're trying to turn into a small one. Uh, But I do do hope that they will be investing some funds in these new acquisitions. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Well, that's certainly been their track record with Spirit Aerosystems. And helping that along was the uh, recent move to take the company private mm -hmm. because that generated... uh, uh, quite a bit of new capital for Spirit Aerosystems, and uh, you know, the word at the time was that uh, some of that capital was going to go into uh, expanding uh, business opportunities for the uh, Wichita plant. And to give you an example of the kind of uh, aerospace work they do there, uh, Spirit Aerosystems, the former Boeing Wichita division, builds the entire fuselage for the 737 and ships it as a completed unit to Renton. Uh, Washington for final assembly. Uh, The uh, cockpit and cab sections of all the airliners that Boeing builds are done here and the majority of the struts and engine nacelles. Uh, Then there's sundry other parts that are done here for assembly of the different models. Uh, Then they've added work from a couple of other companies. Uh, They've started to branch out into areas that uh, get them some work in general aviation aircraft. they're a fairly aggressive, uh, forward thinking operation. And, uh, as painful as it was to those, uh, approximately 1,000 workers that were not retained in the changeover, uh, I don't think that you'd find many, uh, Spirit Air Systems employees today that tell you that the, uh, that the, uh, move is, is a bad thing that uh, they 're unhappy with the uh, with the new ownership and the new structure of the company, yeah
0: well that sounds uh, good,
1: and the beach employees that i 'm that i that I know and and see regularly uh, this is the outcome that they 've been rooting for uh, yeah. Yeah. most of the ones that i 've talked to have looked across town from East Wichita to uh, the neighborhood where spirit Aerosystems uh, has its plant adjacent to McConnell Air Force Base. And said, you know, if they did good things over there, we're optimistic that they'll do good things over here. Uh, if there's some pain and suffering along the way, well, that's to be expected. But uh, uh, then there's been pain and suffering under the uh, ownership of Raytheon Large for the last 26 years. So well, there's that, too. Exactly. Uh.
0: So well that sounds good. It'll be an interesting story to follow here. It sounds promising though for uh, the beechcraft folks. Right. This is just uh yeah.
1: this is just the next step forward and there's a lot lots that's gonna be uh, in play here over the next few months as this transaction moves toward completion uh in uh two thousand and seven. Yeah. So yeah, it, it
2: does sound promising. As I say, I, I, I have to kind of take the skeptic's position here. Um in in simply noting that uh While Onyx has a good track record in recent years, at the end of the day, they are uh, um, something of a merger and acquisition firm. And uh, um, once they uh, have have started playing with their new toy, they may find it uh, uh, advantageous uh, to them to uh, take some steps that perhaps others have not foreseen.
0: Um,
2: We're all, I think, optimistic that won't happen.
0: Yeah. Moving on to a story that's a little bit more grassroots. Uh, This is kind of an interesting story to me. So, Danbury, Connecticut, student pilot, um, during a training flight, possibly even a solo, yeah, reportedly on a first solo, um, lost her nose gear. the The nose wheel, apparently. Left the plane somehow. I, you know, I hate when that happens. Yeah. And and good for her, um, perhaps, probably with the coaching of, of, over the radio of, of others, her instructor or whoever, she managed to land the airplane more or less uneventfully. She, nobody was hurt, so forth and so on. Good job, okay? Yeah. The thing that makes this story interesting to me is that apparently the mayor of the city <laughs> was trying to find the name of this woman, all right? The pilot, the student pilot, and the the buzz was that it wasn't to congratulate her. (laughs) Apparently, he wanted to know who he could send a bill to for the city emergency workers, uh, who responded to this incident at the airport. (sighs) Yeah, I know. And, and, okay, and, but let me, first of all, say, good for the FAA, at least as of the time of this uh, uh, Aero News story, um, the FAA had refused to give out her name, and apparently that's a policy of the FAA. Um, they don't release the names of pilots on these kinds of incidents, but.
2: Uh, what, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little confused. The, the, the local municipality wanted to send a bill to someone for emergency services rendered during her landing, is that what you're telling me? That's
0: the that's the sort of implication of the story. Uh, let's see now if I can read some. Right, it's
1: not it's not said uh, it's not said that way uh, head on. Uh, looking at the Aero News Net story, uh, when asked why he wanted her name, the mayor said he's aware of how much time and effort city workers spent cleaning up after the accident. Now. Cleaning you up know, what? Setting, a, setting aside the, the, the semantics in aviation that this wasn't an accident, it was an incident. Uh, how much cleaning up can there be after a nose wheel comes off and a student right. pilot successfully puts a Cherokee down uh, without further damage? I mean, uh,
2: Other than the pilot's shorts, how much cleaning up is there? <laughs> right,
1: and unless the guy's in the dry cleaning business, uh, I, yeah. I, I, I just don't get it. I don't um, know. But, Maybe
0: I'm making too much out of nothing here, but it just seems like yet another example of people, I don't know, I, it just sometimes well, feels like it's us l- against them, you know? Looking and, at
2: uh, looking at aviation as a profit center, perhaps. it but is us against them. So, and okay. Often it is against us against them, but uh, um, what
1: I, I guess I would, is... ask,
2: I, I would ask two questions. One, for what purpose does that municipality's emergency services organization exist other than... Uh, uh, helping out in situations like this. Well, and obviously, question, not to
0: help out rich people with their, you know, airplane toys. Rich, rich people with their
2: airplane toys. That's a good one. Yeah, uh, I guess the other question would be, um, to what extent and how many, how often has the uh, emergency services organization uh, sent invoices to other uh, people and other events uh, that have occurred uh, that, in which they've expended resources?
1: That, that is actually not an unusual uh, response uh you call the fire department to your house for a kitchen fire and they come in and uh you know they 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 hose down the the burning skillet uh and and head back out again in some municipalities it's not unusual for them to send a bill for what they consider a a, a minor aggravation uh now if your house was burning to the ground and there was public interest in them saving other houses around it then it becomes more of the general public good but uh, set your kitchen on fire with a grease fire in the skillet, and, and and depend on the fire department to come in. And well, some places, some cases, uh, they're going to want you to pony up a little bit. Well, if if
2: I were a serial abuser, if I were were regularly starting fires on my stove and calling the fire department to ask you them like to put in your it childhood? out, uh, like in my childhood, uh, and some would say in my adult, adulthood, but. Uh, um, I, I would, I could, if I were a serial abuser of this, I would perhaps see the di- distinction. But I, I guess I'm kind of scratching my head over why uh, a we have uh, local taxes, and b why we have emergency services organizations in the first place if they're going to be sending us a bill. Why do why am I paying taxes for the privilege? I don't understand.
1: Well, Connecticut is not exactly a, a low cost locale to live, and uh, come you to know, Washington could- sometime soon. Well, yeah, but uh, if, if, if you talk to the locals up there, I'm sure you'll hear that they never miss an opportunity to tap the pockets to, uh, to help cover the cost. Uh, the question that's burning in my mind is, uh, Is this young lady come back for her second solo? <laughs>
0: good, good question. Good question. Well, we want to congratulate this young lady or this woman. We don't know that she's a, a young lady, but this woman uh, for uh, successfully landing her airplane. Awesome. Good job. And, uh, I,
2: I'd, I'd kind of like to see what the uh, logbook endorsement
1: was also.
0: And congratulations uh, to our good job to the FAA for sticking to their guns and not releasing the name. And uh, and
1: good job to the student pilot. I mean, yeah, uh, let's you know, not if you forget. can keep your cool and manage an emergency like that on your first freaking solo, uh, you could have a career in aviation. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Well, it looks like the FAA, it's looking more and more like the FAA is going raise, to raise the uh, airline pilot retirement age. Any thoughts, any thoughts on this? About
1: time. Uh, uh, boy, out of, out of my head and out of his mouth. Uh, this is so past due, as it it's to be ludicrous. Yeah. Um, medical research has been supporting this for more than a decade and it's been in conversation for more than two. Uh, the uh, the logic behind the original rule has been shown to 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 be irrelevant. It's not an issue, uh, and the uh, the the proposal we've heard batted around to follow the ICAO that's the International Civil Aviation Organization standard that uh, uh, captains can serve up to age 65 and over 60 they need a first officer under 60 in the right seat next to them. Uh, Given the uh, lack of any accidents or incidents due to pilot incapacitation from medical reasons uh, in all the tens of millions of flights that have occurred in the decades since this rule went into effect. Uh, you know, I, I don't know why it's taking so long except the obstinence of some of the younger pilots at the Airline Pilots Association.
2: Well, a cou- couple of thoughts to keep in mind here also. One, the original H-60 rule had very little to do with uh, uh, medical conditions and everything to do with politics. Absolutely. Uh, admittedly, um, since the rule was put into place, and I believe that was in the late 50s, uh, I'd have to go research. 59, it. I believe it was. 59, right? Uh, since the rule was put into place, clearly uh, uh, the overall health of the U.S. population has improved. Clearly, uh, uh, life expectancy has improved, and I think clearly medical technology has improved that we can we can better predict now um, how a, a person of that age uh, might act or react uh, uh, in in what their what their eventual health would be. All of that having been said, um, the FAA has staunchly resisted calls to change the 860 retirement rule um, for well, since you know, I guess, since 1959. Yeah, since 1959, Uh, despite good, clear evidence to the contrary, the recent push at the FAA to to finally and and at least uh, incrementally start changing this rule hasn't come from within the united states instead it's come from um, uh, international uh, or, organizations and i think specifically ICAO some carriers um, have in place or some foreign carriers i should say have in place or will soon be putting into place uh, changes in their own rules where uh, as, as uh, i think dave accurately presented um, a, a captain can, for example, can be up to age 65, but a first officer less than age 60 providing some redundancy uh, on these foreign carriers. And um, these carriers want to operate those crews into the United States, in the U.S. airspace. Uh, the existing regulation pre- prohibits that. So the change is being driven not by uh, domestic politics or not by... Um, a, a, a newfound need among uh, domestic industry in the U.S., but by foreign interests, and uh, I'll take it where I can get it. But I, I just find it uh, interesting that uh, we've gotten to the point where uh, so many things in the U.S., at least in the U.S. aviation industry, are being driven by events overseas.
1: Well, and you're you're, you're correct in your assessment. This was never about health and safety issues yeah. uh, at its root. It was. Uh, Politics and and to a large extent uh, economics. Of yeah, that's the. Forcing, I would boil it down even further captain.
0: than politics. Yeah, it's it's yeah. payroll. It's just about
1: right, well forcing captains out at sixty. Yeah. paves the way for more younger guys to move up or more younger pilots to move up, uh, but. The hypocrisy also, of this has been that, you know, this entire time, uh, what, 47 years, mm-hmm. the, uh, the the refusal to budge on this has been argued on medical bases for which right. there was no supporting evidence. Right. And uh, it, it's not unusual for the FAA to uh, be arguing something that it can't actually document. Uh, and, <laughs> Go ahead. Did I'm I say sorry?
2: that? Did, did, I, did I say that out loud? <laughs> uh,
1: but the uh the, the the observation that this is a you know a, a reflection of uh, international mores changing uh is 100% accurate and thank god for it because some of the changes that we've seen in uh, in in the FAA here would have never happened if ICAO standards hadn't uh, hadn't become an issue right. and the uh, FAA was able to save face by saying well they're just rationalizing regulations within international standards
2: the word the word is harmonization
1: harmonization yeah rational seldom has anything to do with it well yeah uh, the
2: the other the other thing here too on at least on the economic side of the, the coin here is uh, don't overlook the the airlines interest in in uh, from the economic side and that is uh, by by standing by the H60 rule, they prevent another five years or two and a half years whatever of uh, raises being given to senior airline pilots. Oh, and they also uh, prevent further it, it,
1: contributions it, it, to their pension
2: programs. Exactly. Uh, of course, those of recent, that have any pension for, programs. For, wow. those of, for those that have any pension plans left. In recent years, of course, we've seen uh, uh, a sea change, if you will, in uh, uh, the, the economics of airline crews um, Gone are the days when uh, uh, someone could get on board early on in age and stay with the same carrier and and not have a great deal of upheaval and and be making well into uh, uh, six figures uh, by the time, uh, you know, they turn 30 or 40. Those days are long, long gone. Uh, And the economics economics overall have changed. But uh, that's, in my mind, one of the key key, uh, motivators here for the airlines is to keep those
1: kinds of output, those kinds of outlays uh, down to a dull roar.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, considering the status of the air carrier industry right now, uh, there are some positive things that could come out of this change uh, that would actually help the airlines out. Uh, for example, take pressure off which is beginning to pick up again even Delta in bankruptcy has hung out a help wanted sign for flight crews for the first time t- since 2001 mm-hmm. uh, for the pilots that uh, have suffered under you know, pension abrogations and wage cuts uh, labor contract abrogations due to bankruptcy maneuverings uh, here's an opportunity to uh, salt away another five years of wages in preparation for that uh, now savaged uh, retirement plan that they've got and if they've got any pension at all coming to see that uh, improve incrementally for the additional five years and of course if they hold off drawing their social security until they actually walk off the line you know drive the airplane through that spray of fire hoses on a final trip, uh, then uh, they'll be better off in that regard as well uh, the downside maybe, for business aviation that's been uh, drawing a wealth of Good talent from the retiree pool to fly corporate jets. Uh, if they raise the retirement age, as we expect to 65, uh, I expect that uh, the pool of uh, captains making themselves available to fly Falcons is going to is going to shrink proportionally, at least for the next five years, and then we'll start to see that you know that. Pipeline reopen and, and and that labor force reemerge. That, that is the an issue. will be whether they can get hired by a corporate flight department at sixty six.
2: That, that is an issue, and it's going to get even worse. Um, uh, in when when one considers all of the VLJs that are going to be soon uh, coming onto uh, onto the flight line, one of the uh, issues associated with VLJs, of course, has been training and and. Uh, Uh, initial operations uh, by these pilots. These are new airplanes nobody quite frankly has any experience in them and uh, in some cases you're seeing excuse me people upgrading from uh, piston twins and turboprops into the left seat of a jet. Um, The manufacturers realize that they've kind of got a tiger by the tail here and uh, have set up a number of different uh, training programs with a number of different elements One consistent element throughout all of this is the concept of a mentor pilot, and the mentor pilot is basically an experienced jet jock, um, whether derived from airline or business aviation or the military or a combination thereof, to essentially ride right seat with these uh, these new VLJ pilots and kind of show them the ropes of of how you operate a jet in, in today's airspace yeah um that pool will clearly uh be smaller as as if uh we suspect uh uh, airline pilots decide not to retire at at age 60 or uh, there's not as many of them uh but there's another there's another little thing going on here in airline hiring and and training that i want to get to in a moment but jack you, you were about to try to interject something
0: my comment was that um, talking about mentor pilots you you make me think of the uh, I, I believe it was Eclipse announced a program this past summer uh where you, you the owner of one of their aircraft buys a, a package which includes essentially a full-time uh, instructor pilot. That's correct and it's yeah. it's it's depending on who you talk to and depending mainly
2: on the manufacturer uh but but especially depending on who's going to insure this airframe. Uh, it's it's uh, not really at issue as to whether or not the the mentor pilot is optional. Um, a lot of the the buzz is that the mentor pilot is pretty much mandatory. If a you want warranty coverage from the manufacturer, b you want uh, to participate in that manufacturer's program for insurance, um, especially oh, that's
1: if an experience based. That, that's all Well, it is an experience based, based
2: thing, and, uh, but. You're still talking about people who have absolutely no time in this aircraft by definition, sure. and uh, you know sur- surely you go through the training program and surely you'll you'll fly the fly the airplane with an instructor, maybe even the, the simulator out there to uh, to get some some initial training on it. But some of these aircraft um, aren't. New are 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 too new for there to be a full blown uh, uh, simulator available for them, so all the training is going to have to be done in the airplane. Actually, um, the, go ahead. the
1: Simulators are ready and waiting on the Eclipse and the Mustang well, already. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's, I that's Adam exactly seven, right. I'm the thinking seven hundred is is uh, yeah, on the brink.
2: I'm thinking you know the Atom and and um, uh, the uh, Embraer Phenoms. Uh, uh, Wait, well, some of the other aircrafts
1: far enough out yet that they'll have a sim ready yeah. by the time it's, it's actually rolling off the lines there in, uh, in uh, San Jose. Uh, but the uh, one one last thing on the uh, age 65 thing, uh, not to overblow this, there are airline captains that I've talked to, that are approaching 60, yeah. who aren't staying around even if the rule changes. Right, they've had it. They're done. They, got uh, they're going to they... take what pension they've got uh-huh. and go off and make more bucks flying corporate for the next few years if right. they fly at all. Uh, second, on the on the VLJ thing and, and training, the industry goes through this every time there's a new sure. a new jet essentially uh, a new category. It, it's certainly more magnified, uh, and you know, be prepared. We're going to go through this again in a couple of more years when the first wave of personal jets hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not insurmountable it's not the end of the world uh, I sometimes feel like it's a little overblown because the industry has fairly successfully weathered these kind of transitions before and I'm thinking specifically of the early uh, 70s when the first citation came along
2: mm-hmm. I don't disagree with you Dave my concern is we get a couple of the Thurman Munson type a- type of accidents um, that hit the hit the press and uh, uh, get played up on on the evening news or on some of these television magazine shows and the industry is going to get a bad rep again it's it's, uh, it's not so much a matter of, of quantity but it is as it is quality and uh, that's the thing that, that has me concerned over the long term I have no doubt that Eclipse, Cessna and, and adam and some of these other manufacturers are going to do everything they can to develop meaningful um, well-designed training programs um I, i'm concerned though that uh um, we're still talking about uh inexperienced pilots who uh, are going to make mistakes whether yeah. in the air traffic control system or just in general operating uh, the airplane stick and rudder skills and uh when that happens, not so much if it happens, but when that happens, it's going to reflect badly on
1: the industry. Yeah. Well, it always does, but we generally weather those things pretty good. Whether it was Catfish Hunter or Corey Lytle, uh, you know, there's a there's a, an initial buzz. Uh, there's a lot of uh, Twitter and clucking about uh, the wisdom of letting celebrities fly airplanes or low-time pilots fly jets. Uh, in some of these instances, uh, the storm diminishes when uh it's discovered that uh, the the, air, the aviator's own actions or judgment uh weren't even relative to the aircraft type they were just plain bad well uh, comes up
2: yeah i'm gonna, i'm just, i'm not going to belabor the point i it's the initial coverage um, that hurts, and, and yep. six months down the road, when a probable cause is determined, and the airplane's not at fault, and ATC's not at fault, and and maybe even the pilot's not at fault, maybe just stuff happened. Uh, that's not reported. What's left in the in the mind of the public is the initial reporting, and uh, oh my God, all those small airplanes out there, uh, they're gonna they're gonna be crashing into my airliner and, oh my God, why is it, doesn't somebody do something about this? That's that's my overall concern. Well, i got
1: a solution for that. What's so that? Get some of those damned airliners out of the way. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Well, what's next? Well, the, the thing that I
2: wanted to bring up on, on airline uh, training and crewing and, and uh, personnel generally, there was a report, it's been a couple of weeks old now, uh, where some segments of the industry, the airline industry specifically, and I believe it was connected uh, somehow through Boeing, but they are looking at, especially in overseas um, uh, operations and training, to create a program whereby the first officer aboard a scheduled airliner, generally talking at least a regional jet, maybe a 737 class of aircraft, um, the first officer would be uh, brought through a training program. Uh, Designed um, to to train that individual strictly for the right seat of a scheduled airliner. Yeah, they call it a dual crew license. Dual crew license. That first officer would have um, limited experience. And one of the uh, the factors uh, that that struck me was that the first officer would have no solo flight experience. Period. In other words, he would he would period he would never have been aloft by himself in an airplane wholly and solely dependent on his skills and judgment to get that airplane back on the ground again and i i i feel strongly both ways as i'm sometimes fond of saying i i i understand how uh airline economics make something like that um necessary a necessary discussion topic i also understand uh how the training program would be designed to minimize any issues but I still have a, a fundamental problem: uh, a calling such an individual a pilot, in b sticking him or her into the right seat of a chair. And it's it's
1: in, it's 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 worth noting here that uh, that the uh, dual crew license is right at the moment solely the purview of uh, operations in Asia. Yes, uh, they're the ones that are hot for this. It's not being proposed or pursued here in the states. Uh, I mean, that would cut into some of these air carriers, smaller air carriers' uh, revenue stream because right now so many of them make their their new hire candidates for the right seat pay for their own training. Uh, and I doubt seriously that they're looking to uh, diminish that revenue stream because they, they, they never hire as many as they have paid for the training. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, the the bottom line is, I've I got to agree with Jeb. The, uh, The idea that a guy with 80-odd hours of uh, right-seat training in a dual crew environment and 120 hours of sim time in a dual crew environment uh, is uh, fundamentally qualified for the main role that the second pilot serves in a two-person crew. And that's to be backup in the case of the incapacitation of the other crew member. I mean, this is back to uh, the, the age 60 deal, if you will, in, in, in some ways. The whole reason for two flight, two-man flight crews was redundancy. Uh, once upon a time, they were four-man flight crews, a flight That's engineer right. who handled the engines and the uh, environmental systems, a navigator slash radio operator because all that hardware couldn't be fit into the panel, and a c- captain and first officer that were there to actually manipulate the controls and back one another up. There's one then other. We one lost the engineers, then we lost the navigators. Now we're down to a two man crew in aircraft that essentially could be flown by one person very safely, except for the, uh, the the industry and FAA feeling that we need two people on the flight deck for safety and redundancy. Yeah. Well, if those people aren't both qualified as solo pilots, why should they be trusted suddenly to be uh, thrust into the solo pilot world upon the incapacitation of the other crew member?
2: Right. It makes no right. sense. It makes no sense. Two other points. One,
1: it, one of the
2: additional reasons for multi-pilot crews is the additional set of eyes looking out the windshield for other traffic. And we've seen, in my, my experience and, and an understanding, we've certainly seen instances where a three- or four-man crew could not find visual traffic even <laughs> though everybody had their eyes peeled looking for that traffic second That's uh, second point i think though here is that uh, so often at least in the united states i don't know how this works overseas but in the united states a two-man crew will literally alternate legs um, you have a, a pilot flying concept associated with a pilot not flying concept pilot flying manipulates, manipulates the controls programs the magic and and actually stays ahead of the airplane the, the pilot not flying handles the communications and uh, uh, looks at and monitors the pilot flying to ensure there are no mistakes made. If the pilot not flying on one of these, these operations doesn't have the experience to know when a mistake is being made, how he, how can he or she fit, understand, recognize, and fix that mistake? The other, the other problem I have with all of this, one of the reasons that we have the pilot not flying and, and pilot flying concept and one of the reasons we switch off so often here in, in domestic operations is fatigue. Uh, you don't want the same guy flying all the legs, uh, especially on some of these, these uh, regional operations where they're they're up and down and maybe fly six or eight uh, turns in a day. Um, I, I don't well, know if always... that that's the case in, in some of these overseas operations for which this, this licensing scheme is contemplated. But you still have the fatigue issue if the same guy's flying the airplane six or eight legs or, or even six or eight hours at a stretch, he or she is going to get tired. If the right seater doesn't have the experience to, to recognize and monitor the guy in the left seat, uh, what does that say for the overall safety of the operation?
1: Yeah. Well, and as we found out in Lexington with Comair earlier this year, uh, there are ample opportunities for two-person crews to make Just fatal up. errors. Yeah. And uh, uh, those are both conventionally raised pilots on the on, on the flight deck of that regional jet. Yep. Uh, and neither one of them noticed that they were on the wrong bloody runway. Yep. Uh, all those readouts on the cockpit and nobody picked up on it. Uh, personally, I don't know that I'd want to be a dual crew licensed pilot and suddenly find myself uh, in an environment that i would not been trained to, and that's being the solo pilot in command on a flight deck where the captain suffered food poisoning, or, uh, you you know, come down with chills and fever or, you know, that rarity of rarity that, you know, the FAA argues, uh, used to argue for the age 60 rule, medical incapacitation because of age or infirmity. The Uh, chances
2: of Robert Hayes having had the chicken every time
1: is not good. Well, my vote for that uh, for that uh, for that moment is that uh, lady pilot had managed to survive a nose gearless solo. There you right. go. She she gets my vote. There you go. Absolutely. We need to
0: wrap this thing up here. Uh, any uh, any uh, final small items that anybody wants to throw in here? I I, I actually have one. Um, that is uh, sometime Ripped in the last honest. couple of weeks. The uh, the three big. Uh, uh, military jet uh, demonstration teams announced their 2007 schedules, the Blue Angels, the Thunderbirds, and the Snowbirds. Is Uh,
2: Oshkosh on any of them?
0: uh, No, unfortunately not. not. But uh, we'll put a link to all three of their schedules uh, in the show notes on the website. Um, But you might want to do what I did, which was immediately go into those three schedules and find the the nearest pass to uh, my home base here and put it on my calendar. So I now... Uh, know what the best opportunities are for me to see these three teams if you've never seen if if you're an aviation person and have never seen any of these three teams you're really missing out it's just awesome and uh it's uh and and don't don't sell short the canadian snowbirds um canadian
1: snowbirds are amazing yes yeah
0: yeah they're a terrific they team are. um they're right up there um it, it's a it's a different kind of show uh they use more aircraft and smaller you know lower performance aircraft but they do an awesome job they're great pilots it's a fun show uh if the snowbirds are the one that come nearest to your home go see the snowbirds but uh, check out all their schedules so that you can see where they're appearing uh, they're all over the country uh throughout the year very cool you guys any, any other quick items before we finish up Happy Holidays to everybody, hope uh, hope you get the headset
2: and the, the portable uh, communications radio and, and everything that you really want and uh, hope you learn how to use it really quickly and we hope to see you on the ramp.
1: Yeah, well, here in Wichita, uh, several hundred volunteers have put in tens of thousands of hours Restoring uh, one of the few remaining B-29s It's worth restoring. Uh, it was part of a squadron nicknamed the Seven Dwarfs, and they all had a Disney dwarf character as the nose art. This particular one rolled out of the uh, Wichita factory as Doc. Back in uh, during World War II, uh, it rolled out late enough that I don't believe it ever saw combat work, uh, and wound up with the uh, inglorious role as a target on a gunnery range for some years before it was rescued uh... it's been through loving restoration they are down to trying to get money up to uh... uh... rebuild those four big engines um, not a cheap chore but the word in the last week was the docks gonna stay right here in wichita at the kansas aviation museum Uh, So next comes a capital campaign to uh, build a hangar large enough to house it and other aircraft in the uh, Kansas Aviation Museum's growing collection. Where are they going to get the engines, Dave? You know, there's a couple of shops here in the States that actually specialize in those types of engines. Well, the reason Uh, I
2: ask, the FIFI, the the, uh, CIF's B-29, hasn't that been...
1: Uh, grounded for lack of an engine or engines for some time? It was grounded because, uh, well, it missed two straight Oshkosh appearances. Uh, First one in 2005 because they found uh, significant corrosion in outer wing panels. And when uh, an offer came to swap wing panels from a museum that had a static 29 on display, lo and behold, they found identical corrosion in the the exact same spot on those outer wing panels. So they had to be reconstructed. Uh, And then it was undergoing a a periodic maintenance check just ahead of uh, AirVenture 2006, when they found uh, that one of the engines was making metal. Uh, further examination found that they needed work, and now they're looking at uh, uh, raising the money and overhauling all four of those uh, big uh, uh, double-row radial engines. Uh, and one of our uh, one of our friends here locally, uh, active with the CAF, and a B twenty-nine command pilot, uh, by the way. A uh, word from him is that uh, they may use an alternate engine type that was not original equipment because there are more of them available and uh, yeah. they can be overhauled more readily, and they will fit in the cell. Yeah. Uh, and I'm thinking that that might be something, uh, a, a power plant out of the uh, the Lockheed Constellation or something similar. Sure, sure. I don't know enough about it. But we're just glad to hear that DOC is going to stay here and they're continuing their plans to uh, restore it to flyable condition. And all this entails, you know, that magic word at holiday time, money. Yep. So if you got a few bucks and uh, looking for a worthy aviation cost to send it into, contact the Kansas Aviation Museum. Or a gentleman named Dick Ziegler, who's overseeing the uh, restoration of Doc for the uh, volunteers out at uh, Boeing Wichita, which is now the what remains of Boeing Wichita is the military side. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, we'll put a link to that on the web in the show notes as well. Uh, and it uh, sounds like a, a, a great airplane and a, and a fun museum to check out. I guess that's it for today. Thank you, guys. Uh, Dave Higdon. Uh, you can learn more about Dave at his website, DaveHigdon.com. And uh, Jeb Burnside at AviationSafetyMagazine.com, also AvWeb.com. My name is Jack Hodgson at JackHodgson.com, and you can visit us all at the UncontrolledAirSpace.com
1: website. TTFN. Everybody have a happy and safe holiday. Thank you, everyone, and we'll talk to you again
0: next time. You can email your suggestions and feedback about this podcast to podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com. If you're up a little late on Christmas Eve this year, And you're waiting for that pudgy person to appear Instead of the patter of tiny feet you'll hear
1: Three, would you lock the door? Will you still need me? Will you still feed me when I'm sixty-four?
0: The Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast is a production of UncontrolledAirspace.com and Jack Hodgson of Three River Productions. Your business or organization could easily be taking advantage of the power and prestige of podcasting. For help with any and all aspects of using this new medium to present your products and messages, please visit our website at threeriverproductions.com.